I'm Daniel Fontaine, and you're listening to BC Polytalk. And I'm Bill Thielman. So on today's show, we have Bowen Ma. She's the MLA for North Vancouver Lonsdale, also responsible parliamentary secretary for TransLink. So Bill, uh, I'm sure you have a lot of questions on transit and many more. Anything on your agenda for today? Well, I do want to talk first and foremost because of the COVID-19 about how Bowen Ma, as an elected representative, is dealing with her constituency uh, and, and her responsibilities. And as you know, Daniel, uh, there are a lot of people of Iranian descent in Lonsdale, which I think presents a particular challenge for, uh, for Bowen as the representative there. All that Iran has faced and the people with relatives overseas, etc. So that, and I also want to talk uh, with Bowen about how um, what, how she's using social media like this being online because she's a big cater. She's always been good on the social media side, but she also does a lot of meetings, a lot of town halls, and uh, has been very active. And all of that is now off uh, off the charts. Well, one of the things uh, I'm going to ask uh, Bowen is uh, she's a very a political politician. She's out there and she's uh, definitely keeping the BC Liberals uh, on their toes. And and I'm going to ask her about what what has happened to Victoria that suddenly uh, so many of the political parties are all now working together under the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, while you and I have acknowledged that's a great thing, it's just it's it's an almost unprecedented British Columbia. And I'd like to hear Bowen's take on it as to why uh, that's happening and, and whether or not there'll be any kind of long-standing impacts uh, after the COVID if they're all going to still be uh, cheering their way all the way through to the election or if there'll be an opportunity there for some uh, some political battles as we head to 2021. Yeah, you know, watching uh, the whole situation in Victoria and BC politics is kind of like uh, a hockey game where no one drops the gloves and in fact <laughs> they just kind of pass to the op opposing team and they all shake hands afterwards or they bump fists afterwards. And it's it's not what we're used to. I don't think I've ever seen it in any previous crisis where uh, the level of partisanship has just dropped to almost nil. Yeah, and I, I definitely acknowledge that as well. I still think, though, that as these programs, both federal and provincial, start rolling out, uh, we saw the number one million people uh, filing for uh, the previous EI, which is now all rolled into a different program. We have a myriad of programs. You have a, a, a whole slew of different uh, eligibility criteria, et cetera. It's gonna take government a, a long time to get this money out, quite frankly, uh, record speed compared to normal times. But so it'll be interesting to see if there are some bumps in the road, uh, what the opposition party, we saw in federally, the conservatives uh, were able to, with the other opposition parties, yank out a, a portion of a, a bill, which was gonna give the, the prime minister and the finance minister incredible uh, powers going through till the end of December. So there still are uh, pockets of uh, political resistance around North America. It's been fairly quiet here, but I can't help but think given the political history in this province that um, if the current administration has a few speed bumps in the delivery of some of those programs that you'll probably hear the Greens and the, ND and the Liberals uh, making some commentary for sure. Yeah, I don't think this will last forever. Um, one other area that I want to talk about is public transit and uh, Bowen Wise Parliamentary Secretary to TransLink. So we've had a, a really radical change in the way our public transit system works. Uh, riders are boarding by the back of us. They're not paying their fares. They're removing seats from buses right now as we speak yeah. uh, so that mm -hmm. people can have the social distancing that, that is necessary. And yet, uh, obviously, public transit is very important. I'm sure uh, some of the folks that you work with and the, their workers are extremely dependent on public transit, as are workers in pharmacies and supermarkets and produce stores and hardware stores, all the things that we really need. And uh, particularly for lower wage workers, public transit really is the only way to go. 
Yeah, and Bill, in fact, I had a conversation this morning with, uh, for those who don't know my background, I work in the area of long-term care and, and assisted living, so in the healthcare field. And there was even discussions this morning around picking up workers with the buses that we have on site, if that's safer than having them go on public transit. So it's very topical right now. A lot of people are talking about transit, so it'll be interesting to hear Bowen's uh, take on that. The, lo- the other question I'm going to ask her um, as well is I'd like to talk about natural resources. Only a few weeks ago, you and I were talking about blockades and uh, pipelines and uh, the extraction of things like uh, liquefied natural gas and all export of all that stuff. Um, that's all gone quiet. Um, so after this COVID crisis uh, is over, um, will there be support for these uh, projects? Will the support go up given that people are going to need jobs and we're probably going to be looking at a, what, an 8 or 10% unemployment rate? So I'm going to ask her about that and see whether or not her own perspective uh, will change post-COVID uh, pandemic. Yeah, that's a very good question. And I also uh, want to ask her about the importance of infrastructure here in uh, Metro Vancouver and around the province, because we know, Daniel, anytime we've had a recession or, or, God forbid, a depression in the past, infrastructure spending by government on major construction projects has been a key part of trying to restart the economy and get it going. And as you say, if we're looking at you know, a 10, 12% unemployment rate, a, a 10% or 15% hit on our gross domestic product here in British Columbia, we're going to need to get people working again and stimulate the economy somehow. And I, I suspect that infrastructure, uh, which is already a big topic for this government, they're spending a lot of money on projects uh, like the bridge in your area in Westminster. Um, uh, I would presume we're going to see even more of that. Yeah. So why don't we bring uh, Bowen on and uh, have that conversation? Let's do it. BC Polytalk thanks Harbour Air for supporting the show. It's through sponsorship and viewer support that we get to produce this show. Bowen Moi, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This has been an incredible time for all of us in British Columbia, but particularly for those of you who are our elected representatives. What's been your observation of how, as an MLA, as a parliamentary secretary to TransLink as well, What's been your experience in your community and your writing and around the province just watching as unfolds the COVID-19 crisis? Yeah, I mean, so I represent North Vancouver Lonsdale, um, which is on the North Shore, of course. And we were actually, uh, we became the epicenter for transmission of COVID-19 very early on. And so the situation was escalating here on the North Shore, I would say before other areas. And in particular, what we saw was um, increasing number of cases just in the lead up to Nowruz. And Nowruz is celebrated as the Persian New Year, and it's celebrated by uh, people from a lot of countries, but I have a a writing that has a very strong Iranian-Canadian population. And around Nowruz is when there's a lot of travel, a lot of international travel to visit with families and family members are coming here in preparation for the celebrations. And it's always a very active time. And it, I think that um, a lot of our community was really looking forward to the Nauru celebrations, in particular because it's been very challenging for Iranian Canadians over the last several months. Um, they had, uh, at the end of the last year, we saw um, increased risk and escalation of, of well, the threat of war. Um, we also talked. We also saw um, the the aircraft get shot down by the Iranian regime. 
um, ostensibly by accident. There was a huge mourning around that. And then came COVID-19. Uh, and what should have been an incredibly joyous time for the entire community, not just Iranian Canadians, but non-Iranians as well, suddenly became a, a dark cloud, a dark shadow. And people who had been looking forward to seeing their families for years had to cancel their trips, uh, had to cancel their visits. So it, it has been a very heavy time for people in the community. And I think that as an elected official, what's particularly difficult is that I have not been able to be out there on the street to talk to people. So I can't actually see what's happening. I get all of my news through the phone, um, through the internet, social media, and I get it through emails. Um, so it's tough to not be connected with the community when you're supposed to be representing them. Um, I mean, obviously we do try to stay connected, but face-to-face, interactions is a huge part of our work. Um, so yeah, that's those would be my observations, I think. Mm -hmm. So um, what, what are you hearing? Uh, albeit you're not necessarily in your constituency office, but what are the kind of things that the people on the North Shore are, um, are approaching you about and the kind of help that they need, the kind of help they need? Is there anything, any particular trends or things that people are reaching out to you? And perhaps you've heard from other MLAs as well? Yeah, I mean, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, what we're seeing is people who are worried about their livelihoods, uh, people worried about being able to, to stay housed through all of this. And in particular, we're hearing from small business owners who are um, having a lot of difficulty holding on to staff who don't know what they're what they're allowed to do um, and not allowed to do, and who are worried about being able to keep their commercial leases. So when the BC government banned evictions for residential tenancies, a lot of people were very relieved because they knew that at the very least, even if they couldn't make rent, they didn't have to worry about losing their homes. But the same cannot be said for commercial lease tenants. And because their, um, their agreements with commercial landlords are not regulated by governments the same way that residential leases are. And so that's still a huge challenge that a lot of businesses are facing. Now, I'm hoping that the announcement that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau made today will go a long way helping those businesses. Um, and I guess time will tell as to whether or not that's not. Yeah, I just have one follow-up yeah, on that. One of the things that I've, I've been hearing is around the issue of property taxes and the fact that uh, property taxes in the municipal governments are are still being charged and there doesn't seem to be anything addressing that. Any move to help those small businesses, in particular in metro areas like Vancouver, where there's a really high property tax rate, any thought about delaying that? I know I've been hearing that a lot from folks who have been emailing me over the last few days. Yeah, uh, I you know, I have to say that all three levels of government um, and First Nations governments as well for, for their citizens have been very open to considering every possible option. Uh, if the announcement hasn't been made yet, then I wouldn't be able to talk about it. Uh, but things are moving very, very quickly. I mean, programs that were announced one week ago are now different today. Uh, mm -hmm. A few examples, the federal government announced last week the emergency support benefit and the emergency care benefit. And now those are merged into the Canadian emergency response benefit. Change in just one week. 
Um, last week, the federal government announced that businesses would have their wages subsidized by up to 10%. And today he announced 70, that increase to 75%. So things are moving very rapidly. Um, it's sometimes, I sometimes have to remind myself that we're, we've actually only been in a state of emergency for about eight days. Uh, and everything that you have seen coming out of the government has happened over those last eight days or maybe two weeks in the case of BC. Things are moving fast. It feels like forever though. And when you're in a crisis situation, sometimes a few hours seems like too long. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's hard to believe uh, eight days is, yeah, it just seems like forever already. But uh, um, Bowen, one of your responsibilities is as parliamentary secretary to TransLink and you also sit, I think on treasury board and some other government committees coming out, trying to be on the positive side, out of the COVID-19 crisis, what do you see happening in terms of infer, uh, spending construction work, the kind of projects that traditionally governments of all political stripes have used to try and um, get the economy restarted? And I know already that Finance Minister Carol James had a lot of money to, and the government has a lot of money to infrastructure, but do you think we might actually see a speeding up of particularly uh, transit and transportation projects in the lower mainland and elsewhere? So, I mean, BC is in a really good position, I think, to come out of this strong at the end, at the, at, on the other side of the crisis, because we actually did already commit to incredible infrastructure spending. Um, but it's hard to tell what this will look like until we're actually closer to the other side of this crisis, because right now governments are really focused on trying to flatten the curve. So the number one priority right now is how do we keep this crisis from getting worse? How do we turn the tide on this? Um, and how do we make sure that our people and businesses are able to survive during this time? So there is still a lot of discussion that needs to happen. Um, and I think that infrastructure spending is absolutely a huge part of it. We know that when it comes to bringing uh, economies out of depressions and out of downturns, significant downturns, government spending is a huge part of that. It's it's enormously important. Um, so I'm certain that it will be part of the solution, but exactly how that looks like, it's too early to tell. Mm -hmm. Bowen, uh, BC government or the provincial politics has always been very kind of, uh, um, you know, left, right, always kind of a, a bit of a battle. Uh, you look back over the last 50, 60 years, there's no shortage of partisanship and, and uh, political battles in BC. But yet with this COVID-19, what we're experiencing is a, an uncommon, uh, almost unprecedented level of cooperation between all the political parties. Um, what do you credit that to? And do you see that perhaps changing over time as uh, the, the the crisis as begins to abate and uh, and, and we go through this process of implementing some of the programs that have been announced. Well, I mean, first off, I have to thank all of the members in the legislature for working together so well. Um, I am very grateful for that cooperation that's happening right now. This work that we are doing as a provincial government would be substantially more difficult if we were not seeing the kind of cooperation that we are seeing from the BC Liberal Caucus and the BC Green Caucus. And I think that a big part of the reason why we have such strong cooperation is on two fronts. I mean, certainly uh, John Horgan is a fantastic leader and he is 
uh, a strong leader who is able to find common ground with people who he does not necessarily agree with, and he's willing to see multiple sides of an issue. And that's always been the case. But I also believe that Minister Adrian Dix has always had an exceptionally strong relationship with the BC Liberal health critic, Norm Letnick. They have always worked very closely together. And Minister Dix actually set the stage for that strong cooperation in the beginning of his term, not the beginning of COVID-19 as an epidemic or a pandemic or a crisis. He started that relationship with Norm, Let Norm Letnick um, from day one. And I think it's paid off. And it shows a real true strength of character on, or from both of them that they have been able to work together so well during this time. I was waiting for your follow-up. I, I was so I was so shocked that the the news was so shocked at the news that there's cooperation and nonpartisanship in the PC legislature. I was momentarily stunned. Um, uh, Bowen, I also wanted to ask you about uh, you. You've really been, I think, uh, a leader in terms of communicating with your constituents, uh, the people in your riding of North Anchor Lonsdale. Uh, I'm presuming the Bowen Mobile is parked for the moment, uh, unless you've got six foot skirts around it or something. Um, how are you communicating? You mentioned this briefly before, but how are you communicating with constituents? And there must be a lot of people who have relatives overseas who may be stuck there or others they're concerned about. And then there's all the other things which, um, you know, we talk politics a lot, but MLAs and uh, members of parliament have a lot of constituency work to do, which is really the kind of grinding, dealing with the bureaucracy, employment insurance, social assistance, disability benefits, those kind of things. So how are you managing to communicate with your constituents right now? Yeah, I mean, first off, if I do have to go somewhere, which I haven't had to go anywhere for a little while, but um, traveling by bicycle is actually an excellent way to travel during the pandemic. Um, it's environmentally responsible and you can definitely keep six feet, six feet distance from others. So the Bowen Mobile is definitely parked for from a community office perspective, but it's not necessarily shuttered from a transportation perspective. Um, the constituency work has actually been the vast majority of the work that I've been doing over the last uh, week and a half since we decided to close down my community office and have my staff work from home. I have about um, I have the budget to support 1.8 FTE in terms of uh, staff assistance. So that's about uh, one person who works five days a week, uh, seven hours a day, and then another uh, person who works four hours, uh, four days a week, seven hours a day. And it is definitely not enough to, to go through the correspondence, the enormous correspondence that we are getting from community members. But in addition, and I have to thank my staff so deeply for this because they are taking their duties as, a, as constituency assistants so seriously. Um, we've substantially increased the, uh, the standard for our responses. So it used to be that um, we would primarily focus on responding to constituents because I do get emails from all over the province, but I have 55,000 um, people to serve and they I have to give them priority and so we tend to focus on constituents um, and we tend to try to provide a response um, our target is around 72 hours normally in this crisis our target has been basically a couple of hours 
by the end of the day, we don't want anybody to not receive a response, constituent or not, to not receive a response um, for more than 24 hours. Now we do, I mean, with the volume of emails that we get, there are a handful that might, uh, might slip through the cracks, but generally speaking, my staff have been able to respond to every single inquiry and email within 24 hours and preferably within a few hours, same day. Um, we're also responding to people who are not constituents. Now we can't take on casework, or, I mean, if somebody really needs a lot of help and they and they live in Prince Rupert, for instance, we're not best suited to support them, uh, but we'll direct them to where they need to go. We do receive a lot of calls, although email is the number one way that we're receiving correspondence. But in addition to that, I'm highly active on social media. I was active before, but now I'm really depending on social media to get news out. Uh, and of course, we have our our bulletins, which are proving enormously popular. So every day that there is a major public health announcement or major government announcement, we send out uh, these quick bulletins that are formatted to help people get information as quickly as possible without being overwhelmed, because there's an enormous amount of information out there. I mean, I spend almost 12 hours a day, well, 12 hours a day, answering emails, but also just trying to keep up with the news. I, it, it, it's a lot to navigate for somebody who isn't able to, to keep glued to the news like that. And I expect myself to be on top of it as well. It's, in, it's really important to me and it's important to my staff that we're helpful as much as possible. And if we don't know the answer that we'll try to get it for them. Although, Again, the circumstances have really changed over the last couple of weeks. It used to be that we could sit on something for a couple of weeks and nothing really will have changed, whereas now um, things change by the hour. So answers that we gave yesterday might be different today. Um, so it, yeah, it, it has been challenging, but we are so, I'm so grateful to have the staff that I do. I'm grateful that we have a community that is reaching out to us because we want to be there for them. And in addition, I really want to say that the community itself, people around North Vancouver, the North Shore, are coming together. They're supporting each other. So it's not just about the work that my office is doing. It's also about the work that the Lionsgate Hospital is doing, all the care workers and the long-term care centers and members of the public who are volunteering to bring groceries to seniors who are in isolation and who are volunteering to call community members to make sure that they're okay. All of this has been incredibly um, inspiring. So Bona, oftentimes when the federal government announces programs or initiatives, uh, the provinces are somewhat critical of those things and can point out what where it's kind of fallen short. If you could perhaps from your perspective, having seen what's been announced so far from the federal government and from the prime minister, if one being not so great and 10 being excellent, could you maybe just give us a rating of where you think the federal government's at so far in terms of the programs that they've announced in terms of their potential uh, positive impact to British Columbians? And the second part of it, the question is a little bit on a different topic, but before uh, the COVID crisis came, we saw lots of activity and, and stuff around the blockades and, and opposition to uh, the things like coastal gas and other major projects. How do you think that COVID and the, and the, the fact that we're going to looking like 10 or 11% unemployment uh, anytime soon within the next few weeks, 
Do you think that will change the public's reaction and, and the potential opposition to those major projects now that they could be the source of a lot of jobs that British Columbians will be seeking? Um, so to your first question, I, I'm not going to give you a number because I don't actually have, I mean, I've never gone through a crisis before. I have no way of actually comparing the response that the federal government has um, given here in comparison to other countries or uh, other crisis situations. I think that they, like our BC government, is they're doing the best that they can do as quickly as possible. And the fact that they're willing to make changes to programs that they have announced just one week ago demonstrates that they are listening and they are trying. And so I don't want to be too critical of that. But if I were to um, suggest an area that I think um, that British Columbians and Canadians would benefit greatly from if they were to take a harder look at, I would say um, a moratorium on mortgage payments. I would say um, I would I think that Canadians would benefit if from the Canadian government taking a much stronger stance um, with their banks, with the banks that they regulate on how they respond during this time of crisis, because everything, all, a lot of, well, almost every one of the financial challenges that people are facing stem from those, those loans that they have to pay back. When it comes to renters needing to pay their rent, um, their landlords also have payments that they need to make. Uh, businesses also have uh, payments that they need to make and so forth. So um, I think that, yeah, that, that would be the area that I would like them to focus more on um, and find more tools within. Uh, your second question in terms of sort of resource development and resource projects moving forward. I've been not shy about being honest about my feelings about sort of the types of type of economy we want we should be building in BCN and in Canada and it doesn't happen overnight and there's lots of work that was happening to greenify our economy and to move us towards green energy green projects um, sustainable projects and and industries that we know will last long into the future and the one of the opportunities we may find coming out of COVID-19 and with the need to rebuild an economy may be that we find a lot of opportunities to do that in a way that will last decades into the future. So I'm looking forward to seeing how BC is able to to take advantage of those opportunities. Well, certainly one of the things we've noticed uh, all around the world is that um, there's all sorts of environmental benefits, uh, somewhat hard to believe in ways, but because of the lack of human activity or the vast reduction, uh, dolphins in the canals of Venice clearing in the streets of Beijing. And, and so as a lot of the reductions in traffic and transit and industrial uh, usage happen, we're seeing the world is getting a little bit greener, which is, I think, a lesson for all of us. Yeah, I mean, I would be a little bit careful about some of those stories because some of them have actually be, been debunked as um, oh, no. as not real. <laughs> but yeah, fake news. oops, fake news. Fake yeah, news. I, I think <laughs> some of I think some of the images of like um, elephants sleeping in fields and and dolphins in canals mm. were actually oh, uh, no. shown to be not quite accurate. But having said that, 
this, I, I mean, COVID-19 is a lot of things. It's devastating. It is a crisis. Um, a lot of people are being harmed. People are being forced to stay at homes and, and stay away from other people. And as social creatures, that's it's quite difficult. But I believe that we will, if we stay together, stick together on this, um, we may find positive opportunities on the other side of it to, to regrow and, and rebuild ourselves as, as a society. And if I could ask, just coming to your role as Parliamentary Secretary for TransLink, um, could you maybe comment on some of the measures that TransLink is taking? I, I just see now they're taking buses out of the, uh, or sorry, seats out of buses in the system to kind of try and enforce more social distancing. They're obviously boarding through back doors to avoid um, the drivers and others. What What's your general sense of what the next few weeks hold for transit in, in well, certainly in Metro Vancouver, but perhaps uh, in Victoria and elsewhere? Yeah, I do hear occasionally from community members who ask, why haven't we just shut down public transit entirely? Um, maybe not realizing how critical public transit is as a service to those people who we need to keep moving around, like the healthcare workers, uh, the grocers that, and the pharmacists and uh, the myriad of workers that the rest of us are relying on to keep society going while we uh, do our part and stay at home. So public transit really plays a critical role in this crisis. Um, so what I can say is that Dr. Bonnie Henry is working closely with all sectors, including BC Transit and TransLink, to make sure that they're able to continue to operate these essential services as safely as possible. The precautions are already in place to help them. The, they enhance cleaning and disinfection very early on. Uh, recently, they changed their operations on buses to rear door loading only except if you are a person who needs accessible loading and that keeps drivers safer and further away from people and yes they will definitely start limiting seats on buses um, and setting up barriers where necessary and so forth so members of the public who rely on transit to make it to the pharmacy should feel confident that everything that needs to be done in order to keep those transit services safe is being done, but they still have to exercise person, personal caution. So when you're out there, you should still be washing your hands. You should still be covering your mouth um, when you're coughing and hopefully it's not an actual sickness coughing and just like something in your throat, then that's okay. But if you're sick, don't go out at all. And we're really, really, really asking people to take these steps seriously. When you're out on a bus, don't choose the seat right next to somebody. Hopefully those seats aren't even available. Um, you should be staying as far away from other people as possible. And you should only be traveling if you absolutely need to. The only way we're going to get through this together is to get through this together. Uh, and if people are not taking these rules um, it, these orders seriously, then we will end up having to shut more services down. And a lot of these services that are remaining are ones that will be, like, the impact of shutting them down will be significant. So we're asking people to work with us so that we can get through this together. 
So, Bowen, switch uh, back a little bit to some of the COVID response from the province of British Columbia. One of the things that um, the NDP had uh, committed to doing in the last election was to introduce a $400, I think, a month um, subsidy for renters to be able to make it more affordable. And I know that that was parked. But just in the last week or so, we've seen the $500 a month now um, subsidy, which was introduced, which is obviously payable to the landlord, not necessarily to the renter themselves. But how difficult do you see it being after COVID-19 is over, this new $500 a month program is in place? How difficult do you see it being politically to remove that once that has been set in place, given the previous commitment uh, to institute a $400 uh, subsidy? So the commitment previously was actually it was no rebate. So this $500 per month rental subsidy is substantially above and beyond what was posed in 2017. I don't know the answer for you on what will happen after the COVID-19 crisis. There are a lot of uh, programs that we have brought in that I think that society would benefit from continuing forward. And whether or not we're able to do that is we'll have to see in, in the weeks and months ahead. Um, but as an example, we have brought in um, unpaid job job protected sick leave. Now, under COVID-19, uh, during this crisis, that unpaid job protective sick leave is unlimited. And there is a permanent unpaid job protected sick leave that was of three days. It's actually a huge step forward, even though the three days is a huge step forward for the BC Employment Standards Act, given the state that it was in before. Um, but I think that we're learning a lot from COVID-19 as to where the gaps are in our system and where improvements can and should be made uh, and how that plays out moving forward. I hope very positively, but we'll see, we'll see what it looks like. I'm going to uh, just ask, and we're getting close to the end here, a, a crystal ball question to some degree. Uh, the legislature obviously had to adjourn, wasn't able to fully debate the budget and deal with other legislation. It is scheduled to come back, I believe, in October. Do you personally foresee uh, that it will be an extended session that might you know, right up to Christmas, or might it be delayed, on the other hand, if things are not looking well? Uh, well, there's another scenario that you haven't... Uh, suggested, which is that it might actually be brought back earlier. There may be legislative mm, yeah. changes that we need in order to get us through COVID-19 or to respond uh, or, or to start the work to rebuild the economy and rebuild the province after COVID-19. Uh, so all of these options, I think, are still on the table. And I can't tell you, I, I don't have a crystal ball. So I got no answer. Neither do we. <laughs> Neither do we. Yeah. Bowen, Neither. I'm just wondering from your perspective, and I've been watching this as a political watcher, watching uh, both in the U.S. and Canada and the use of technology and how we're able to bring our political leaders together for things like votes and that kind of stuff. Do you think that post this, uh, this pandemic that we'll have learned some lessons around the use of technology, even the fact that BC Polytalk now is all being done online, <laughs> we're able to do all these things. Are there going to be some lessons learned um, and perhaps uh, to uh, provide for the ability for a politician to maybe cast a vote from Prince George as opposed to having to come into Victoria? Are those are those kind of things on your mind as we're going through this? Well, I mean, I think that there will be a lot of lessons learned throughout the world, and I'm interested in seeing how other countries and how other jurisdictions 
um, kind of go forward on this because it, it makes it a lot easier when one jurisdiction's figured it out, then it helps a lot of other jurisdictions also come on board. But certainly we're already learning a lot of lessons. On Monday, I'm, I'm a member of the Public Accounts Committee and they are scheduled to meet, I think on Zoom, which I believe is the first time all members are participating in a legislative committee meeting um, which is recorded by Hansard, um, which is like part of the public record, and we're doing it all on uh, through video conferencing. So um, maybe if if there were silver linings to this terrible crisis that we're in, it, it is that certainly governments are learning to move very quickly on technology, and maybe uh, much more quickly than we would normally be moving. Yeah, that's that's precisely what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking too. And I was watching in terms of people getting on a plane. And I know you're a very big environmentalist, but all the times that people are flying around the world to go to meetings and stuff, when we've just learned that on Zoom, you can just connect 20, 30, 40 people together very easily and be able to have yeah. that same discussion without getting on a plane. So maybe some lessons learned there for sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, and there's normally a lot of concern around security, around um uh, you know, there are other reasons why why technology has not been utilized to the extent that it has in the Canadian governance system. But, uh, well, maybe things will change. Well, Bo and Ma, that's probably a good spot for us to end. And uh, both Daniel and I really want to thank you for taking the time out from uh, all the work that you have to do as an MLA, North Vancouver Lonsdale, and as a, a member of uh, several committees, as you point out. Uh, to share with us your views and uh, help us get through the COVID-19 crisis together. Yeah, thank you so much, thank Bo. And we, normally do, we normally do a handshake around this time, but now we don't do that anymore, so we'll do it virtually. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, wait. <laughs> Thanks so much for being Thanks on. very much. BC Polytalk thanks Harbour Air for supporting the show. It's through sponsorship and viewer support that we get to produce this show. Daniel, that was a really interesting interview, and uh, we talked uh, about a lot of different topics. I was particularly interested in some of Bowen's comments about the importance of public transit and uh, how much that our uh, our COVID-19 economy, our shrunken economy, depends for workers in a number of different areas, retail workers, uh, emergency workers, uh, home care workers, you name it, pharmacy workers. They need public transit to get there, and we have to make the changes necessary so that they can continue to do so. Yeah, and I can only imagine sh uh, she and the government are getting an immense amount of pressure, she indicated, to shut down transit altogether. And for people to say, uh, perhaps who don't take transit all the time, that uh, it's safer if transit is closed. But as she noted, and as you've just indicated, a public transit is absolutely critical for us to keep these essential services actually operating so that our grocery stores, our pharmacies, uh, and other essential services actually have the staff that they need to keep open. So uh, I wasn't surprised to hear from her that she was getting a lot of pressure, but it's good that the provincial government has been pushing back on that front. And I also found it interesting how much work she's having to do in her riding with her constituents, because we know, uh, both of us have been involved in politics, we know at the best of times, there are a lot of people coming into the office of an MLA, having a problem, uh, whether it be provincial or federal, they just can't figure out how to deal with the, the the programs or the bureaucracy or what to do now with offices of all mlas effectively closed having to do everything by phone or by zoom or skype or uh, some other program it makes it all the more challenging and there's a lot more work 
Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, like you indicated, uh, given uh, her community is such a high rate, a level of uh, number of Iranians on the North Shore, um, the stress and, and impact to that community must be immense. And I know she's probably getting a lot more calls uh, this week than she did even four or five weeks ago. And MLAs are busy at the best of times. So you can only imagine doing that in the in the new world. And I, I really enjoyed her comment. And I was very pleased to, to hear her talk about the use of technology post-COVID and how we might be able to uh, integrate that into here. I didn't know that that was the first time that the uh, uh, one of the commi- parliamentary committees in Victoria is actually meeting by Zoom, and to, for that to, that to be happening and to be recorded by by Hansard, I, I have a feeling that we, we're just learning so many things and different ways we can do everything from politics to uh, you know free enterprise businesses. Everything's everybody's learning from this experience, even though it's a, a challenging time for us all. Um, there are things even for my own self in terms of use of technology that I don't think I'll ever go back to uh, post-COVID. Well, I hope we get to meet again in, in a studio at some point, Daniel. But, you know, uh, <laughs> that, that that brings me to uh, another point. I, I asked uh, in the interview if, if she thought that the legislative session in October might be extended. And she kind of surprised me in an optimistic way. I would hope it's true that they might actually start earlier rather than later, um, if the circumstances allow, uh, the health circumstances allow them to come in earlier, because the budget does need to be scrutinized, no matter who's in power, the opposition has a key role in, in going through the estimates of each ministry and each minister, and uh, of course, question period and all the other pieces to that, which are completely missing right now. Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely critical. It's a part of our democratic process. I think it's, uh, you know, it will help strengthen those programs, strengthen the budget, et cetera. And it is going to be a massive budget uh, beyond anything we've seen for for a, probably the better part of a couple decades. So it will definitely need some uh, some scrutiny. I also wanted to just before we wrap up, talk about um, her reaction to the federal government and uh, kind of its approach. And, you know, as you know, with this bill, um, uh, there's a, no shortage of people who are critics when it comes to uh, criticizing the federal government for doing things one way or the wrong way. And, and she really kind of walked a fine line. She didn't criticize the government, but she did point out, I think, she would have liked to have seen a bit more strength in that whole mortgage issue. And we've heard already from multiple people around British Columbia that they've been requesting uh, the banks uh, provide them some leniency in their mortgages and they've already been declined. So I'm sure she's probably getting a few emails from her constituents telling her that this uh, voluntary program by the big banks is not working to the same extent that uh, the federal government had indicated it was. No, and we didn't get to talk about that, but this morning's news, we saw that the governor of the Bank of Canada lowering the interest rates and the banks immediately saying, I think we'll keep that. Uh, we're not going to pass that break on because we're not making as much money as we used to. Uh, talk about a tone-deaf response on the part of the major banks. Uh, you know, I, I have well, to think something's going to happen there, and it's not that yeah, Boeing Ma is responsible for that, but I think uh, Justin Trudeau and his cabinet must be sitting there thinking, you know, uh, the hammer may have to come down here. Yeah, and it goes beyond mortgage rates too, uh, Bill. It also applies to credit card rates. We're looking at credit card rates that are still 20 to 22% for uh, you know the average credit card bills. And so I, I can only imagine it's, it's frustrating for the federal government to be lowering interest rates only to find out that uh, mortgages are going up and interest rates for credit cards are still at 20 and 22%. But on that note, I think we should wrap it up. Uh, we'll be back here again uh, via technology and we'll be back here next week with another special guest. So thanks uh, very much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, thank you very much to all our listeners and viewers. And thank you for also your patience in putting up with some of the limitations of the technology. I assure you I'm much more handsome and slightly sharper toned in person. <laughs> See you next week. 
See you then. And remember, you can find everything at our website, bcpolytalk.ca. You can also chase us down on Spotify and iTunes for podcasts. You can find us on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and find links there. You can go to YouTube and see the show. 